Good morning. You glad to be in God's house, yeah? Hey, uh, we have, uh, as you might have heard, youth camp coming up this week. And um, I know most of us are probably too old to be a part of that. But um, there's a lot of our young people going this uh, year. And um, man, they're the, they're the next generation of the church. We've uh, seen a lot of uh, the pastors that we've planted out of this house uh, go to youth camp, get their lives connected to Christ at youth camp. And so um, I love youth camp. It's an absolutely amazing thing. And I want to thank everybody that's helped sponsor that or participate in that through their giving or sponsoring a kid, making sure everybody can go. We used to always just pack the, the bus on Sunday and whoever could go, we just say, hey, come on, it's never too late. So uh, parents, if you got somebody that needs to go, needs a touch from God, just needs something special. Make sure you get them on that bus. But I want to call up our team and uh, anybody that's going to youth camp. Uh, I know they'll be spread out in different services at different campuses. But if you're here today, man, come on up. And uh, we just want to pray over them. Is that okay? We're, I think there's about 175 going to youth camp. And uh, we just want to make sure that, that they're covered, uh, that everybody's, number one, safe, but um, also that... Uh, they connect with Jesus, and uh, we're excited about what God's going to do there. So if you would, would you just stand to your feet with me? We're just going to pray, and just going to ask God to, to bless everybody here. We're excited about the next generation of our church. We're excited about what God's going to do in it, and we're excited that you're going to be marked with his presence this week. And so let's bow our heads and go before the Lord. God, we just thank you that there's an anointing that breaks the yoke. Father, and where the world is trying to redefine values and culture and identity and everything else, God, we thank you that your word is eternal, that your purposes stand true, that your promises are everlasting. Father, that you are the rock upon which we stand. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Father, I thank you for a Daniel generation, a generation that will know their God, be strong, and do exploits against the kingdom of darkness. Father, we thank you for the next generation of the church. And as they go, we pray your protection and your grace upon them. Father, we pray your anointing upon them. God, I pray that they would get a hold of you like never before, that you would bring about life change, salvation, rededication, Father, baptism, Father, Holy Spirit, baptism, Father, in every facet of their lives, standards raised, elevated, Father, Lord, I pray that they would be uh, set apart, consecrated for all that you have for them in every sphere of society, God. We thank you for the next generation of our church. Let an anointing be with them. Bless every leader. Father, bless them with sleep. Bless them with rest. Bless them with encouragement. Father, we thank you for what you're going to do. And we just pray for your grace over all of our young people, over all of our leaders today. And we thank you in advance for all that you're going to do. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Come on. Uh, middle school, you can be dismissed. I don't usually say that, but I didn't want to forget. Um, 
I'm going to call out a couple of chairs. I need those chairs. I don't know where Frank or the team is, but could I, um, today I'm going to talk with you about something is very important. Uh, we're starting a new series called Carried Along. It's a series that, to be honest with you, um, a little nervous to preach about just because I feel like this is a very misunderstood topic, but I think it's one that our church needs to hear. I don't think in 10 years I've ever preached on this topic. It's the topic of prophecy. It's the topic of God speaking into your life um, in a season in which you need it. And so uh, we're going to be doing a book study in Ezekiel. Um, and I felt like God impressed. I've had this sermon series uh, done a year in advance. I literally wrote it out a year ago. And I felt like this was the right time to drop it. And so um, I just want you to dial in. And if you're new to church, uh, I think that there'll be a connection point for you. You might not know what prophecy is, but I'm going to try and help explain that. If you're joining us online, welcome to Hope Point. Good to have you. Look at your neighbors, say, get ready. Look at your other neighbors, say, buckle up. Look at yourself, say, you did well today. You're in church, come on. That's good. Uh, bow your heads. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's life, it's eternal. God, we pray that you would just have your way in this place. Do what you want to do. Father, uh, plant in our heart, God, a seed and a passion for your word and what you want to do. Father, we pray that you would just download everything that you want for us. We give you praise, we give you glory. We thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. amen. If you're new to church, that means I agree, so let it be. Kill everything, please. I want to highlight something that I think is important. I'm going to black out for a minute. Uh, I'm not going to black out. They're going to black out. The, the, yeah, got that wrong. Turn them all off. I don't need these. Yeah, we're good. I'm just going to talk in the dark. Everything, black, lights. There we go. Okay, so you can still see a little bit, but uh, nobody's going to pick your pocket, I don't think, anyway. But um, prophecy is, is, is a little different, right? Because um, I feel like a lot of times what, what the Bible says, and, and I'm going to read a passage of Scripture to you from 1 Peter. And you, if you're new to church, I want you to come back. We don't normally preach in the dark. But um, I want you, to, want you to understand, Peter says that we ourselves, Peter, James, and John is who he's referring to, heard the voice from heaven that came from heaven when we were with Jesus on the sacred mountain. That's the Mount of Transfiguration. And we have the word of the prophets made more certain. And you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So I often think of prophecy like a dark place, and all of a sudden, God illuminates something. He illuminates something that was always there, but you never knew it. The Bible says that Jesus was created before the foundation of the world. Okay, so, so what God does is when we're stumbling around in the dark and our times and our culture and all that's going on and the things that happen in our lives and things that we don't understand and different ideologies and doctrines and cultures, what God does is he shines a light. The chair was always there, we just didn't know it. And, and, and I want you to pretend for a minute that you don't know what a chair is. 
that it's the first time that you've seen it. And, and, and the Bible says that prophecy, people were carried along by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. They didn't give their own interpretation. It didn't come out of their will. It was the voice of God speaking to them. So when Ezekiel writes, it's God speaking to him, not only for his generation, but also for all of us. And the Bible says a light shines is like a light in a darkness. So let's pretend for a minute that you don't know what a chair is, but God reveals a chair. You're like, okay, well, what do I do with that? Light goes out. Stephen, I hope you're with me. Just hold, not just hold this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and do something illustrative for your purposes. All right, just grab my feet here. Yeah, yeah that's good. Okay. All right, you got it? Just hold the chair, brother. It's a long way down. All right, bring them up. So, I look at the chair, and I go, well, obviously this is how you deal with this chair. This is what a chair is for. How comfortable is this? I've never sat in this object before. I've never known what it was for. But God brought a light to it, so I guess this is how we use it. Are you following me? If you don't know what a chair is for, then you'll never know how to use it. I'm not going to stay here for long because I'm getting lightheaded. There's going to come an age where I just can't do this anymore. So I want, you to, I want you to be aware of it, right? But I want you to understand that prophecy didn't have its origin in you. It's God's word to you and it shines in the darkness, and it reveals something, and we have to know how to use it. Now, light off one more time. I don't want you to see this. All right, Frank, help me. Yeah. Okay, I think we got it. One more time, light on. Give Frank a hand. That was not gonna work well. It would have been one service, one and done today. <laughs> the reality is that God illuminated Jesus. And nobody knew who he would be. They thought that a savior was going to do certain things. Save them from the Roman Empire. Get their temple back. Do all these things. They were sitting in the chair upside down, which is why they didn't know how to handle Jesus. Are you with me? God illuminated Jesus in prophecy. And they thought, oh, Savior, Messiah, got it, all the things for me. But what they didn't realize is that God came to do so much more in them, for them, through them, than they ever anticipated, and that he was coming to redeem all of mankind. They didn't conceptualize abundant and eternal life. They thought of only temporary things to alleviate their stress. But God had something different in mind. And so when you look at prophecy, it's a light shining in a dark place. And we don't necessarily understand, even when it illuminates something, what that's for. But we find out sometimes in hindsight. And what I want to do in this series is bring an understanding of not only what happens when a light shines, but also how to use what it shines upon. Because again, the Bible says that God prepared Jesus before the creation of the world. That, that Jesus was ready to go to the cross because our sin never took God by surprise. 
Are you feeling me? So, so even when he created the garden, he had already created an answer for our sin before we had done it. And if you're here today for the first time, you need to hear that. There's an answer today for your sin, even though you might not have realized what it was. There was a light shining in a dark place. Can you bring the lights up so we don't freak people out <laughs> any more than we have? Peter says this, that prophecy never had its origin in man. Now, you can look at that chair. Same thing. Different chair. Different purpose. They're not all created equal. That one rolls. It almost rolled off the stage. But, but that's what it means. The, the word carried along, it means to take over a sea. So God is taking, when it says that, 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 that the Holy Spirit carried prophets along, what it was saying was that, hey, the Spirit of God was moving people from one point to another so that they could see something that they had never seen before. Right? I don't know if you've, you've recognized this. I'm sure you have as some people have grown with age is that you look at things differently as you go in different times of your life. Different seasons, different perspectives, all of that. Some of you, you know, you had your first kid and everything was like, oh, I gotta be on top of every little detail. By kid four, they're playing in traffic. You don't care. You're like, I'm worn out. I'm done. Whatever, just go. You know, you look at things differently based upon where you're positioned, your vantage point. Would you agree? And so, so in that, they're carried along, which means, ah, I couldn't see this from here, but I can from over here. And so prophecy is always designed to direct, to encourage, to correct, and to train you for what God has coming. Okay? It's, it was there to comfort, ultimately. Even in correction, it was there to comfort. If you read the book of Ezekiel, um, it, it, it's, 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 a, it's a mammoth, it's a behemoth, and, and you kind of go, gosh, man, this guy is so depressed. And, and if you realize what he was going through, you might realize why he was, because Ezekiel was a, was a young man uh, who, who grew up at a time where his nation was being destroyed. His nation was being destroyed. And so, so, so Ezekiel realizes that God has something to say through him. And, and, and the reality is, prophecy always points to a dawning day, a sun rising, the morning star. I want you to hear that. Remember what First Peter said. So, so who's the morning star? It's Jesus Christ. So, so, so Jesus is that. In fact, if you look at what others wrote about him, in Revelation, he says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony to the churches. I'm the offspring. I'm the bright and morning star. Right? So, so we know that Jesus is identifying with light in a dark place. And I don't know about you, how many of you remember walking around in a dark place before Jesus? Come on, somebody, testify. I know you, and I know you can't forget those days, right? What, what God saved you from. Come on. So, 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 so this is the reality. Even Isaiah, living 850 years before Christ, all of these people see Jesus in a different way. In Numbers, in numbers, this is 1,500 years before Jesus comes, Balaam says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. He'll crush the foreheads of Moab, the skulls of all the people of Sheth. Now, who's the star? Again, it's Jesus. What does it say? 
After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. 1,500 years later, three guys from, from Iran, hello, came to Israel, hello, to worship a Jewish king, hello. We saw his star, Balaam says, 1,500 years before. I see a star. It's not here, but it'll be then. It's rising out of Jacob. Where did Jesus come from? A scepter will rise out of Judah, uh, Israel. Where did Jesus come from? Judah. Bethlehem. He's of the lion of the tribe of Judah, right? So we see Jesus. See, prophecy never came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. So here's what's cool about Jesus. Maybe you're a seeker here today. Maybe you're, maybe you're like, I don't know about church. I don't know about Jesus. It, Jesus fulfilled 400 prophecies in his life, most of which he had no control over, who, would, who he would be born to, how people would treat him, where he would be born. Mathematicians statistically have done that analysis, and to fulfill just eight of those prophecies is a statistical improbability. He fulfilled 400. Do you think that prophecy is trying to tell us something about our faith? That when you look at the word of God and you look 1,500 years before, 1,200 years before, 800 years before, that it's testifying about the Lord and Savior that we call Jesus Christ and that it's saying he was exactly who he says he was and he did exactly what he said he would do. Anybody with me? Okay, so prophecy also gives you an assurance that, that, that God is in it. Come on, say God is in it. That he's with you in it. Come on, say, he's with me in it. A lot of people in church know that God can do it for somebody else, but they don't know about them. God can do it for you. He's with you in it. He's for you in it. And prophecy from all of these people, they didn't have all that assurance when they were talking about prophecy. But we, living after them, can look back and have all of this assurance because we realize, oh my gosh. They were talking about Jesus long before he hit planet Earth, and he did every single thing that all of them said he would do. He healed the sick, he raised the dead, he came back to life, all of these things. The fact is, they talked and prophesied about the Romans bartering for his garments below the cross, and they did. There's something important. Jesus would quote prophecy all the time. Jesus as a, as a Jesus was an amazing communicator. He was brilliant. If you're a pastor, you study communication, you look at how Jesus communicated, it's brilliant. Obviously, he's the son of God, but I mean, he still had to get a point across, right? So, so, so he would use prophecy all the time. He would use Isaiah, who lived 850 years before him. He would say, listen, this generation will be ever hearing, but never, but never understanding. They'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving, because their hearts are hard. You know you'll never get a truth from God if you don't have a heart that's postured to receive it. You can get it in the face with a two-by-four. Blunt force trauma, it's not going to do a thing for you if you don't have a heart to receive it. So, so Jesus knew this about Israel, and he's like, it doesn't matter who comes to you. 
Your heart isn't ready, so you're not going to receive a thing I'm saying. You'll be ever hearing, but never understanding. Ever seeing, but never perceiving. Meaning you got the senses, but you don't have any perception to really apply the truth. Are you with me? He said, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. That's a sermon right there. He's, he, always, he always would use prophecy. Luke, who, who wrote about Jesus, wrote his book from the fulfillment of prophecy. He says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. Meaning a lot of people are writing about Jesus. I'm one of them. I carefully studied all of these things. Luke was a doctor, so he said, I carefully studied all these things. I went and I talked to everybody. I got eyewitness accounts of everything that Jesus did. And so I'm laying out a presentation for you. That's why Luke starts his gospel with prophecy. There were two people in the temple when, when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple. There was a guy by the name of Simeon and there was a woman by the name of Anna. And they both prophesied over Jesus. Right there and then, said, this is the consolation of Israel. This is the fulfillment of all that God has said. A sword will pierce his side and will pierce yours too, Mary. Right? Are, are you with me? Well, what happened to Jesus? They pierced his side, right? Pierced her heart because she, she, everything that they wrote, everything that they said happened. He starts his gospel with prophecy. Luke indicates that the ministry of John the Baptist was the exact same way because John was a prophet. He went and prepared the way of Jesus Christ before he came. He, pre he prepared repentance so that Jesus could come. If you look at Daniel, Daniel lives 600 years before Christ. Daniel is in captivity in Babylon. In fact, he and Ezekiel were almost around the same time, even though your Bible doesn't necessarily have it that way. Um, they, they were contemporaries. A lot of the prophets were. They, he, he prophesied about Jesus coming. He said the, the Son of Man is going to come on the clouds of heaven. In fact, Revelation will quote it. All of the Bible refers to this. All of the Bible is talking about this so that you and I, walking in darkness, can see a light. That's why the Bible says no one can come to Jesus unless the Holy Spirit does what? Reveals him. If you can't see him, you can't get there. The only way to see him is through the Holy Spirit. And that happens a lot of times through the preaching of his word. So, so Daniel prophesies about four kingdoms. He prophesies about the fall of Babylon, which hadn't happened. He was living in Babylon. He then prophesies about the fall of Persia, which happens in 331. He then prophesies about the fall of Greece, which happens 500 years in 63 B.C., 500 years after Daniel, he then prophesies about the fall of Rome, which happens 900 years after he is born. All of them happen, historically, every single one. You can go back and look. We can see the Goths walk right into Rome and sack it. We can see Medo-Persia. We can see that Babylon falls because somebody left open a back door. And the Persians walked right in. You know, you know why they left the back door open? because they were getting hammer drunk with Belshazzar. Seriously, they were throwing a big old kegger and they forgot to lock the back door. Are you with me? That's what happened. Remember the writing on the wall? Remember that? Mene, mene, take el parson. 
Your kingdom is at an end. Daniel says it. The Persians come in the back door. They're all drunk, partying, having a good time. And the Persians are like, what's going on? Ain't nobody to fight. This is the greatest empire in the world. Daniel prophesied it. You see, God knows what's going to happen, and he knows how to call his own shot. Are you with me? So, so while we're all wondering about all the events in the world, God is still on a throne, church. And it's a throne that he rules and reigns on. And ain't nothing taking him by surprise. And he talks about all the things that are happening so that you and I can not only have assurance, but can have hope and comfort in difficult times. Are you guys tracking with me? So, so I just, I know this is a different kind of scenario, but I want to give you, Isaiah sees more about Jesus than almost any other person. He sees him as the suffering servant. He, now listen, for a Messiah to suffer was crazy because Messiahs don't suffer, they dominate. But, uh, but this Messiah, Isaiah says, he, he, he was pierced, right, for our transgressions. Are you with me? He was wounded for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes, we were healed. How can Isaiah, how can Isaiah know that Jesus is going to be whipped with a cat of 39 tails in the praetorium by Rome at the, hands, at the, at the behest of the Jews, beaten beyond recognition? And Isaiah says, his stripes are what give us healing. Come on, somebody. 850 years before it happened. Cause a shot. It is harder to not believe than it is to believe. When you look at the body of evidence, you, wouldn't, you couldn't help but possibly go, well, duh. Because you cannot look, if you know the Bible, at everything that God said would happen, happens, and, and not think he's not in control. Not think that he doesn't love you. Not think that the king of all creation came down, suffered for our sin, put stripes on his back for our healing, didn't just say, it's okay, I'll see you in heaven, but said, no, I also came to give you abundant life now. And not go, my gosh, look at all these people. And they all prophesied in really hard times. If you Being a prophet was something you didn't necessarily want to be. Isaiah was sawed in two. His people hated him. He, they didn't want to hear about a suffering servant. They wanted to hear about somebody that was going to dominate the, their enemies and, and restore the, the is, Israelite kingdom. Ezekiel, the first, the first 25 chapters of his book... All he does is tell Israel that God's judgment is coming upon them and they're going to be taken into Babylon. That ain't happy. <laughs> Guys, they're going to destroy the temple. I mean, to a Jew, that's like, I mean, that's blasphemy. They're going, to, they're going to raise that temple to the ground because we turned our backs on God for so many years. There's judgment coming. But here's what I love about God. If you read the back half of Ezekiel, his book is all about restoration because God never punishes without reconciliation. Are you with me? He never punishes without restoration. Anything that God does is always to draw you closer to him. 
And, and, and a lot of times we'll blame God for things that he's not even involved in. He allows, but he's not trying to, he's not, he's not inviting. He's not behind. But, but God will do some things to help get our attention. Are you with me? Have you ever had God get your attention? Any, anybody love the school of hard knocks? Yeah, yeah, we, we, we grew up in that school. So, so here's how, how prophecy was conveyed. I want to I tell you how God speaks so that you know. And by the way, you can still hear the voice of God today. It's not going to be Bible. And I just wanna, want all the crazy gone out of the room. God, you will never hear a voice that contradicts the Bible, the, vo- the verse of God. Voices don't contradict verses. Can't do it. If, if you hear a voice contradicting a verse, that ain't prophecy. That's your flesh. That's what you want. Or that came from the pit of hell. That ain't God. Are you, are you with me? Are you with me? There's three places. There's three origins of, of, of conversation. There's God. There's you. There's the enemy of your soul. It's only three sources. So if you hear a verse, a voice that contradicts a verse, it ain't God. Right? Everybody with me there? Okay, so, so that's, that's how we know that there's safety in prophecy is that it has to line up with Scripture. The Bible says that the spirit of prophecy is subject to the prophets, meaning that we can, we can judge it. We can see, does that line up with the Word of God? No, it doesn't. Okay, that's out. No, nice try. Keep hearing. Keep listening, right? Not quite there yet. But, but Isaiah says, he trains my ear morning by morning like one being taught. So, so I know that, that when I pray and when I'm really seeking God, that he can speak to me about situations and circumstances in my life that line up with his word and release something in me. Didn't Jesus say that to the disciples? That when you received, listen, when you receive the Holy Spirit, he would tell you what is to come, John 16. So if the Holy Spirit can tell you what is to come, I had two experiences this year where I felt compelled. God, God spoke to me clearly and said, you need to do this, you need to do that. I invited some people to church, both of, both of whom gave their lives to the Lord. And, and what I would tell you is that, that, that's, that we know we're supposed to evangelize and witness all the time. So the Bible says that. But there were very specific instances and time frames. God will speak to you. And he'll tell you how to posture yourself to execute the word of God in your life in a way that brings power. Are you with me? Are we tracking? I hope I'm not leaving you at the bus stop. So I'm trying to just get all the cookies on the bottom shelf. I want everybody to get one today. And I don't want you to feel like, oh my gosh, what happened? What, you know, what we're talking about. So, so here's number one. Prophecy is conveyed through dreams. You always saw that Daniel would always, Daniel was not only gifted at having dreams, but interpreting them. Joseph was the same. You see, Joseph, Joseph's in prison. Pharaoh has a dream. Uh, He doesn't know what the dream means. Daniel, or, or Joseph, is able to interpret his dream. Daniel has a double whammy. The king looks at Daniel and says, no, you might be able to interpret my dream, but I want you to tell me what dream I had. So Daniel does. And then he tells him the interpretation. And then he gets promoted. So there's something else. God wants to use insight in your life to promote you in the sphere of influence that he puts you in. To give you greater influence with people. Not for your own sake, but for his kingdom. Are you following me? 
So dreams. Another one, uh, interpretive dreams, which we talked about. Visions. Those are usually with auditory direction. Um, you, you can hear a voice, not voices, but a voice. And that voice should be the Lord, and you can know how to hear him in a clear, concise way. Um, we actually have small groups that teach that here at Hope Point. But there's, there's direction, and the prophets would hear auditory direction in Scripture. Then they do something which I feel like God uses in my life more, I don't know about you, but confirmation through the Holy Spirit, where you just know. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You just know. Any believers in the room, you go. And maybe, maybe you weren't even serving the Lord. Maybe you were running from him. Maybe you were in a place that you didn't even think God frequented. You know? But you felt something at some point, and you're like, hmm, that's God. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe you were three sheets to the wind. I don't know. But God spoke to you. He got through. You hearing me? I'm just being real here today. Come on, I know everybody acts like a saint here in church, but we all know we were sinners saved by grace. So I want you to hear, hear what I'm trying to tell you. God knows how to get your attention better than anybody. He created you, he knows you, and he knows how to talk to you. The challenge sometimes is taking time to hear him and understanding and being able to discern what's him and what isn't. Like, like, is, is that okay? Yeah. So Jesus says, what God put together, let no man separate. Now you see that chair. I'm going to sit down for a minute. I know some of you might be having trouble in your marriage. I get it. I get it. We've all been in different places. God didn't tell you to kill your spouse. Seriously. He didn't tell you to go after the next, the next best thing. Hear me. He didn't tell you, well, get rid of them. Are you with me? Yeah. Hear me now. There's certain circumstances and different things. I'm not getting into like all of that and abuse and infidelity and all that. I'm just talking about the reality of Jesus said what God put together, let no man separate. Just because they ain't doing it for you anymore doesn't mean you get to trade up or trade out. Right? right? If you hear that voice, that ain't God. That's your flesh. And I know it sounds convenient, and I know it might bring relief, but we talked about this last week. Relief and rest are not the same thing. Everybody following me? People are going to hate me today, but I'm just trying to give it to you straight. Okay? The reality is that's an example of a, ver a voice contradicting a verse. So part of the thing with prophecy is if you don't know Scripture, then you'll always be misled. Are you following me? The Holy Spirit uses the Word of God. So if you know the Word of God, then it gives Him more to pull on, more to draw on, and more to reveal. Does that make sense? And so if you don't, then you can be led astray very easily. And I just want my church to be literate in these things. So, so, so auditory is one. And I, I sat in that chair because that chair, the, 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 God, God illuminated marriage. God never did anything outside of family. If you think about it, what did he create in the garden? Family. When family messed it up, and uh, Noah comes along. And what does he do? Use another family. What happens after that? He uses a barren family in Abraham and, 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 and Sarah. He uses them. 
family after family. Jacob and his sons, family after family. So he illuminates marriage and then he defines it. Are you with me? He defined it. He illuminated it and then he defined it. And you can try and change it all you want, but it's illegitimate. Only he gets to define what he created. Only he gets to do that. So he, he reveals it first. And then he shows you the parameters of how to live in it. Are you with me? It always works best when you follow the instructions. If you don't put oil in your lawnmower, eventually... It's going to seize up and cause problems. Why? Because the instructions are integral to the function. Does that, that, that help you? So a lot of times what we do, the reason we get want to bail out is because we don't know all the instructions. So we've defined what God created in a manner that's dysfunctional. You with me? And we've gone, well, gosh, God, you don't really make things that well. Maybe I should try something else. No, God made it really good. You just got to use the instruction manual. Right? By the way, I'm with you. I'm with you in all of that. But prophecy comes through you hearing and seeing what God is doing. Another one would be visions, what God reveals to you. And that's vitally important for your understanding. I'm not going to get through a lot of this today. We'll pick it up. Trust me, we've got a whole series to go. But this is really important for you. Because so often, people don't know that God wants to speak in their now world. Church, God wants to speak in your now world. He wants to speak to you. God knows what's best for your business. God knows what's best for your family. God knows how to reconcile that relationship that went, went, went off. God knows how to elevate and execute your gifting. God knows how to position. And he'll speak to you about these things as you learn to hear his voice. So, so we have the Bible is a foundation and a guideline for everything that we need. Everything that we need is there. Don't get me wrong. But God, through the Holy Spirit, knows how to take that and apply it in the context of your life that brings revelation, illumination, and freedom. Right? He knows what to do. He knows what to do. I gave a great example of that about building a building in the middle of COVID when our world shut down and how God blessed that. He told us to go for it and we did. There's lots of examples that I can give you, but the reality is God will speak about how to take the next step. It's crazy, right? I remember, you guys remember, we, uh, we had this unforeseen circumstance where our construction company had, had used really, really heavy equipment and torn up that whole parking lot. Do you guys remember that? No, of course you don't. You didn't walk on it for like six months, Rogan. And I remember going, this, these people are, I just felt like, man, they really did us wrong. It was like a hundred grand to, to, to fix it. And we, we did not have that. We were like, what are we going to do? And um, I just remember 
feeling like, well, God, you know, uh, you knew this was going to happen, and um, I just need to tell our leadership about it. We got to try and raise some money, and uh, didn't take you by surprise. And even though I wasn't happy with it, and we probably could have gone to court and done some other things, it just, it just didn't feel like that was the right way to go. Our, our leadership didn't either, and so we did. And ironically, there was this, there was somebody connected to our church who was just watching online, and and they were like, hey. Uh, I just feel like I should give to this. And we we're like, great. And this person doesn't even come to the church. They, they gave almost $50,000. They, they don't even live in Richmond. To fix that thing. And I remember talking to the, to the company that was paving it. And, and uh, you know, they, they were really, they helped us out in a tremendous way. Did a lot for us. I mean, I, I don't think they really made any money on it. It was, I mean, another God thing. But I remember t- saying on the phone, I'm like, God knew this was happening and he's going to take care of it. That's what I know. God will speak to you and give you assurance about unforeseen things. If you decide not to hit the panic button and decide to hit the faith button. Whatever you look at will grow. Whatever you look at will grow. If I look at my problem, it will always grow. If I look at my God, he will always grow. Some of you haven't looked at God in a while, so your problem is like three times his size. But when I look at God, God, God's always three times bigger. It's why David, you know, Goliath is coming towards him and and, and other people are like, man, how are you going to beat him? He's so big. He's like, he's so big, I can't miss. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, I could hit that blindfolded. My God can handle that. My God can handle that. Everybody else saw him as so big. David saw him as so small because God was so big. Yeah, yeah. That's right. It all just depends on how you posture yourself. Yeah. Let God speak, church next four or five weeks we're going to talk about how God speaks and how he wants to speak into your life your world your situation but I just want to encourage you he cares about you and he can download right into your situation the what you need he'll use his word he'll reveal things to you he'll remind you of things he'll shine a light but the biggest thing he does is build faith prophecy builds faith that's why the Bible says desire that every one of you should prophesy but you can't because you have the Spirit of God in you if you're a believer. He can, he can, he can use that. He can, he can propel that in your life. And so I think it's important for you to know that it builds faith. And so if you're here today, maybe you're dealing with some hopeless situations, some things that, that just weren't good, aren't good in your life. Maybe I, Anxiety and stress, those are two. I really felt like today God wanted to free anxiety and stress. Happens through the Word. Happens through the Word. The Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's here. He knows how to help you. He knows how to help you. So I want our prayer team to come. Would you bow your heads? Father God, today, I thank you that your word is life. It's eternal. God, I thank you that you spoke through your word, but you're still speaking. You're still speaking. And God, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Father, I thank you for each and every person in this room. You know, Maybe you have wondered about God you've been seeking or maybe you've been far from him. And I want to tell you there's a God in heaven that loves you and has a purpose and plan for your life. And the Bible says you can 
be forgiven of sin. Know who Jesus is. Have a relationship. The Bible says that you can walk into abundant and eternal life. God never intended for you to spend eternity in hell. He intended you to spend eternity in heaven with him. But there's a lifeline he threw out in the name of Jesus. And if we accept him today, we can walk into a new life immediately, instantly. It's a process, but it's also instant. And so today, if you would like to do that, I'm going to say a prayer. Our whole church is going to pray. We're going to talk to God. And we're going, to, we're going to ask for forgiveness and we're going to make Jesus our Lord and Savior. We're going to give him control of our lives. At the end of that prayer, when I say amen, I'm asking you to raise your hand. I want you to raise it. I want you to set, we're going to celebrate with you. We're going to say, hey man, they, they said that prayer. They came from death to life. They came from darkness to light, from hell to heaven. And we're just going to have a big heaven party. The Bible says all heaven rejoices when one comes. So would you just repeat this prayer after me? Confession is important. Say, dear God, forgive me of my sin. I know I'm off. And I need you. I pray that you would wash me clean. I pray that you would accept me today. As I give my life to you. And make you Jesus. My Lord and Savior. I thank you for paying a price I couldn't. When you went to the cross. And when you rose again. You gave me abundant and eternal life. I receive it now Jesus. And I promise to always follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. Heads bowed, eyes closed. You said that prayer, many in your heart. Just raise your hand right now. I want to celebrate with you and say thank you for doing that. It's the best decision. Thank you. Thank you. See that? See that? See that? Thank you. Anybody? Thank you. Keep them up nice and high. Come on. Let's celebrate with those folks.